With just 10 games to play, your Cincinnati Reds hold a playoff spot. What's going on? Happy Tuesday and welcome to Chatterbox Reds. My name is Nick Kirby and you know it by now. Chatterbox Reds is your daily home for live post-game shows after every Reds game on YouTube and podcasts like you're listening to right now, available every single morning for the rest of the regular season. And we are presented, as always, by Betfred Sportsbook. Well, coming up on today's show, myself and Trace Fowler discuss Monday night's Reds win. I'll let you know where things stand in the NL wildcard race and preview Tuesday night's Reds game. The Reds, first of three against the first-place Minnesota Twins on Monday, but prior to the game, a bunch of Reds news. First off, Hunter Renfro was designated for assignment after just 14 games with the Reds after they claimed him off waivers from the Angels. Renfro was 5 for 39 with just one extra base hit with the Reds. Also, Harrison Bader was placed on the IL with a right groin strain. Carson Spires, as expected, was sent down for Connor Phillips. And Alex Young and Stuart Fairchild were both activated off the COVID IL. And Matt McLean took some batting practice before the game. All right, when the game got started in the bottom of the second, Tyler Stevenson walked, Joey Votto snuck a single through the infield, and then Noel V. Marte singled into the left center field gap to put the Reds up 1-0. The next batter, Will Benson, crushed a fastball 405 feet, but Michael A. Taylor robbed Benson of a potential three-run home run, and the Reds had to settle for a sack fly and a 2-0 lead. But in the bottom of the fourth, Noel V. Marte walked, and Will Benson did not miss a home run this time. He had a 408-foot blast to center field, making it 4-1 Reds, and that would be more than enough on this night for the 22-year-old Connor Phillips making just his third major league start. Phillips was absolutely fantastic, going seven innings, allowing just three hits, only walking one batter and striking out seven. Only two runs the Twins were able to get off him were off of two solo home runs. And then in the bottom of the seventh, the Reds played add-on. Spencer Steer had his third hit of the night, an RBI single that put the Reds up 5-2. Tyler Stevenson did ground into a double play that inning with the bases loaded, but Joey Votto picked up not only Stevenson, but maybe also his manager David Bell, who let Joey Votto get a second at-bat against Twins left-handed pitcher Dallas Keuchel. Dallas Keuchel a starter, but pitching more of a long relief role with the Twins down. And Joey Votto smoked a single 101 off the bat to give the Reds some huge insurance runs and make it a 7-2 lead. And with the bigger lead, David Bell elected to go to Derek Law in the 8th, and Derek Law delivered with a perfect 8th inning on just 7 pitches. Alex Young just activated off the IL pitch the ninth inning, his first game since August 24th. Young did give up a run, but got the job done. Reds win 7-3. to And here's what Reds manager David Bell had to say after the game. You guys have had to mix and match so much with starting pitching, with, with everything you've gone through. What did it mean to get seven innings like you got from Connor Phillips tonight? Yeah, it was a great start for our team. 
So we, we've talked about how important these games are, and um, I mean, so much about that. I mean, it's a good hitting team over there. Important game um, goes deep into the game, which gives our bullpen another break for today. So in so many ways, it was just a huge start for our team. On top of that, for for Connor um, and and just where he is in his career which is the, the very uh, beginning stages to, to show himself and prove to himself how important it is if you know he can throw strikes and trust himself, trust his ability, and, and just and, and let it go, like how good he is and how good he can be. So every step of the way, like when you can um, have a star like that and prove that to yourself, um, that could help him the rest of the way, um, what, you know, which is also really important to our team. Guys have had a better road record than a home record. With this last home stand and the games meaning what they do, how important was to get the first one here tonight? Yeah, it is important, I, and I have no. There's no reason for that. There's no reason that you know we can't play really well here. I know our players love being here. They love being in our our home ballpark and our our, our, our stadium, our clubhouse, everything about being here everyone looks forward uh, to coming back off the road so there's no reason why we can't put together a, a, you know a good homestand we're playing good teams and we have to play well but uh, you know we're, we're confident playing here so just a matter of uh, you know getting the wins that are important at this point do you sense from your team that these games are different do you feel a sense of urgency from them at the same time a, a calmness about them as well that's how I would describe it it's um, it's Good energy, and um, you know we're not running away from the situation we're in. Far from it. I, I would say we're embracing where we are and um, uh, the the joy of being able to play in meaningful games in September. They, no matter who you are, you know how long you play, these opportunities don't come around. Um, all the time so that is healthy and I'm glad that we're acknowledging it and, and embracing it but at the same time not, to your point nothing has changed as far as our approach there's not um, you know any added pressure any added energy is being used properly and in the right way and that's that's perfect and right after the game ended here was Connor Phillips talking about his first big league win. Big league victory. How's that sound? Uh, it sounds great. You know, um, great team victory. Um, I was able to do my part tonight, and it feels great. At the end of June, you were pitching in double-A. Here you are on a big league mound and pitching in a meaningful game. What's the journey been like for you? Yeah, I mean, like I just said, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I, you know, I'm just, I'm living the dream right now. Um, been thinking about this since I was, you know, seven years old and um, just having fun. What was the game plan for you tonight? Uh, I mean, it was get the fastball to the top, uh, rely on the curveball to get ahead early, uh, and then put them away. You went... The clean shave look. Is there anything to that tonight? Uh, no, I mean I thought it was just uh, just time to clean it up. Uh, you know I can't grow it all in yet, so uh, I was like, yeah, we might as well. I'm much older than you, and I still can't grow it in, so don't feel badly about that. When you're on the mound, you have it looks like you have supreme confidence, even as a rookie. Is that something that's just in your DNA? Yeah, I mean, I want the ball. I want to go win, and I truly believe that I'm better than any guy in that box. What's it like working under Derek Johnson in this pitching staff? How much have they helped you along the way? Yeah, I mean, the guys are great. Um, 
they've kind of taken me in stride and uh, helped me out with uh, a lot of stuff, you know. Um, and a lot of the guys helped me out with confidence and uh, knowing that I can do it. What's been the hardest part? Going up and down, That I mean, it's tough to get into a routine when you're sent back, called back up. Has that been a, a tough part of it? No, I mean, you know, they, they've communicated with me well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I hope to stay up here uh, the rest of the year and keep, uh, keep trying to get wins for this team. And lastly, Joey Votto talking to reporters about what it's like playing meaningful baseball and what could be his final season with the Reds. I don't think that. I don't think about that. You know, I've, I've had moments where it's crossed my mind. And, um, you know, the nice thing about, about playing competitive ball is, like, you're, you're, you're thinking about um, today's game and performing well. And, yeah, I, as far as you're so caught up in, in, in the game, the, the competition that day. And it feels like this past year plus for me personally, and I'll tangent kind of speaking personally, has been um, like gone by really quickly. It's been a whirlwind. You know, I feel like uh, since leaving surgery, I've either been rehabbing or, or tr attempting to get back into games or being in games and trying to find, you know, find a competitive style uh, while also doing the rehab, while also kind of not new normaling, but like getting trying to get back to a a strong place physically. And so um, it's just gone by so quickly. And as far as uh, this being a last uh, homestand, you know, I, I just, you know, if that's the case, I can't do anything about, I don't want to say I can't do anything about that, but I just, I'm having a really good time playing in, in, in really meaningful baseball with like some fun teammates. And so, However it shakes out, I'm good. I'm good. I just want to help out. I just want to play. I've, all I've ever wanted to do is play. It's the most important thing to me. Will Benson's fourth inning home run at 408 feet and 103.5 off the bat was our deep drive of the day, sponsored by Deep South Commodities. DSC is a leader in renewable commodities for biofuel production, specializing in used cooking oil collection aggregation, and sales. Visit www.deepsouthcommodities.com for more information, and thanks as always to our friends at DSC. And the Reds finally got some help on Monday night. Jeff McNeil had a home run in the ninth inning off Marlins closer Tanner Scott, and the Reds got some huge help as the Mets beat the Marlins 2-1. to So your NL wildcard race stands as following. The Philadelphia Phillies hold the first wildcard spot. They have a commanding four-game lead. Then it gets really tight from there on out. The Arizona Diamondbacks hold the second wildcard spot, and they are just a half game ahead of both the Cincinnati Reds and the Chicago Cubs, who are tied for the third and final wildcard spot. The Cubs have played two less games than the Reds, but should the two teams end, end the season tied, the Reds, of course, hold the tiebreaker over the Cubs, Reds also hold the tiebreaker over the Diamondbacks, which could loom very, very large. The Miami Marlins with a loss fell below the Reds. They are just a half game back, though, and the San Francisco Giants remain two games back as they were off on Monday. 
All right, and the updated Fangraphs playoff odds as I record this for the five teams fighting for two playoff spots. Arizona Diamondbacks, they're the only team above 50%. They are at 56.0%. Then it's the Cubs at 45.9%. The Marlins at 43.1%. And the Reds at 42.5%. The Giants rounded out. They are 13 games back. But as we've seen, these uh, odds can flip pretty quickly if one of these teams goes on a three-game win streak or one of these teams goes on a three-game losing streak. All right. Well, here is myself and Trace Fowler discussing Monday night's big win on Chatterbox Reds Live on YouTube. Nick, I don't know how many more of those we need, my man. But we're getting close. We're getting close. I don't know if you can, if you, if you can taste it. I don't know if you can feel it. I don't know what you need to do right now. But the Cincinnati Reds are right there. They are right there. I mean, when I say they're right there, Nick, I want you to know they are right at the doorstep. If they kick it down, it's going to be this week. They can kick it down this week. You take care of the Mets, you take care of the, the lowly Pirates, and you're in. You're in. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me if they don't win the next six games. Well, five at this point. They're not in. Nick, I guess overall, just how you feeling? Let's start there. Let's start there. How are you feeling, Nick? I'm feeling great, Trace. This was a... Uh... A great day for the Reds. Uh, this was probably, if you look at the schedule, the toughest game on the schedule for the Reds the rest of the season. Connor Phillips was outstanding. Reds offense put up a bunch of runs against a pretty solid pitcher. Um, and then the Reds got finally got some help uh, by a team playing the Marlins. If uh, Marlins you know, seem to not be great against anyone except for the Atlanta Braves of late, so... It's true. If I was a Braves fan, I'd be a little concerned right now. For being completely honest, this is the last time, or the last part of the year that you're, or the, or the wrong part of the year is the word I'm looking for here to, to 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 not be playing your best baseball. But that's here nor there. All right, let's talk about Connor Phillips really quickly, uh, and by really quickly, as long as we want, because you know why we don't have any time restraints on this show. Okay, uh, Connor Phillips is a guy that has elite level stuff. We've heard it all along. Is he is he ready for the big leagues? I think me and you both kind of agree that he's probably not ready for the big leagues if, if 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 people can follow along what we're trying to say he has the stuff to be able to get to be able to get guys out and be successful in the big leagues the question is is he going to be consistent enough to be a big league arm on a consistent basis I don't know if that's the answer or that's I just don't know if that's true yet but tonight he proved he has every bit of ability to uh to go Seven innings is impressive, Nick. I mean, that's uh, I I thought five innings was gonna be great. He got the six, and I was like, okay, now we're just now we're just kind of stealing from a baby. And he got seven, and he looked good the whole way through too. And shout out to David Bell for those that think that he has a quick hook, and for those that think that you know no matter what he just pulls guys way too early. Uh, tonight, this was a telltale sign, in my opinion, of the way David Bell managed this of how thin the Reds are in, in, in regards to pitching. Um, because I think when he, give, when he gave up that second home run, I think the old David Bell that had maybe a little bit longer season, if you will, and a little more arms at his disposal, he would have made a decision to pull him. He didn't. Now, I get it. He only had like 80 pitches or 70, 78, 79 pitches at the time. But he left him in, and to give, give, uh, give Phillips some credit, didn't rattle him at all. And in fact, he looked 
he almost looked as good as he's looked all night as he as he left the game. So your overall impressions of Connor and I guess how how big of a how big of an outing that truly was. I don't know if we really can fully appreciate it yet. Just a huge outing from from Connor Phillips. Um, I mean, you feel pretty confident about now. He's he's probably got to make two more starts, and you're kind of like, hey, this guy. I mean, are we now like as crazy as sound talking about Connor Phillips maybe starting Game Three of a postseason series? Like that's kind of where we're at. Right. The most impressive thing: eighteen of the twenty six batters that he faced, he threw a first pitch strike. And if you follow Connor Phillips at all through the minors, uh, he had, I believe. One, two, three, four, five, six starts where he had to leave the game early because he hit that 35 pitch in an inning limit. And so he had a ton of starts where he didn't make it out of like the second inning. Like he had one, two, three, four starts in the minor leagues. He didn't make it out of the second inning. One start, he didn't make it out of the first. And another, he didn't make it out of the third. And these weren't injuries. These were because he... Just through. so for him to come out and be as pitch efficient as he was was just awesome to see. Uh, you know, obviously we're all about trying to get to the playoffs right now, but this is incredible development for Connor Phillips to get this experience, to get this confidence that going into twenty twenty four, hey, I could throw seven shutout innings against a team that's going to the playoffs, right? I mean that that's awesome. So you know, I, I don't. It's probably a little much to say. You know, wow, the Reds major league coaching staff got in his ear. Probably a little bit of that, but I imagine they said, hey, look, your stuff is incredible. Like, if you give up five home runs, you give up five home runs. Just don't go out there and walk anyone. And that's what he did tonight. I mean, he only walked one batter in seven innings. Like, this was a guy that was walking like five batters per nine in the minors. So for him to come out and do that uh, is incredible for not only the Reds, but for him and his development and – really kind of killing two birds with one stone with that. Yeah, I was going to make that point. I mean, listen, he gave up two home runs and they were both solo shots, right? If those were if those are two or three run home runs a piece, this is a whole different conversation, it's a whole different ball game and the really the reason why they weren't maybe two or three run home runs is because what you said, you didn't walk anybody, you made guys earn their way on base and more times than not as much as as much as we want to act like if you throw a middle middle fastball, it's gonna get a hit out of the ballpark every single time. The truth is, if you throw the ball over the plate, you're gonna get guys out more more times than not, especially when you have the stuff of a Connor Phillips. Uh, you know, it's not easy to hit 97, 98 mile an hour fastballs. I don't care, you know, who you are. One sec, can I say something else about about Phillips? By all means. Question in the chat about is he postseason <laughs> eligible? So, from my understanding, so typically a player to just automatically be able to be on the postseason roster you have to be on the 40-man roster by uh, September 1st however there is an exception where players can be approved if there was an injury the fact that the Reds have Graham Ashcraft and Nick Lodolo on the 60-man IL makes me think that Connor Phillips would get approved because a he was in the Reds organization it's not like the Reds tried to you know pull one over on on the league and, you know, take someone off waivers on September 15th. This was a guy that was in the organization. I'm assuming that he would get approved, but he would need special approval. But there's been a lot of um, examples of times where that's happened. Uh, so I would assume he would be eligible for the postseason. Yeah, he has to be. I mean, he's this isn't like this isn't the Reds actually trying to get around something. He, he has to be. Also, uh, another crazy thing. Am I crazy to think that uh, the Reds pulled another Phantom IL stint with Harrison Bader? Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, 
like I laid it out <laughs> yesterday. Like I don't, I, don't, I promise. I, I don't I, have how many times can they, how many times can you get away with this? Like, I, is this like an okay thing? Like, does the major league baseball just don't care or what? I don't know why the players association would care because the guy's still getting like his big league check. Yeah. I'm talking about major league baseball, like the front office, not the MLP, not the PA. Yeah. I don't think they really care as long as the players <laughs> aren't, as long as the players aren't upset about it. But like, if you're, if you're Harrison Bader, do you really want to go get DFA'd in middle of September? You can't go get on another postseason team. Right. Like, no, that's fair. You, you go sit for a week. Uh, maybe they send you. I, one thing I don't know is, uh, can they if uh, the Chattanooga Lookouts advance next week? Uh, can you go to Double A on a rehab? <laughs> get a rehab, in a yeah. In a postseason game, can you imagine being a Double A pitcher? I got to face Harrison Bader in a postseason game. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. RM, I think, uh, just said it's interesting they chose Bader over uh, Renfro. Um, I, I I don't think that's it's that's that's not even hard to figure out. Uh, RM, I mean, listen, Bader provides speed, speed can help on the base paths, pinch run. And on top of that, he's elite defensively, elite. So you you always, at worst case scenario with Bader, you know you can stick him out in the outfield as a defensive replacement towards the end of the game. And that's what you're going to get. And on top of that, you can say whatever you want. He has been terrible at the plate. I'm not trying to defend him by any stretch of the imagination. But Harrison Bader is good against lefties. He's been good against lefties. His, his splits show that he's been good against lefties. It's just a matter of coming around. You know, I, I know people don't want to listen to that and say that. But let's talk about the offense because I think that's something that I've just been been absolutely begging for. And you've you've heard me say this how many times, Nick? I mean, I know the other day I was begging for seven runs, uh, seven runs or more, and seven runs or more. It just it's just finally nice to see a night where I don't I, I I don't want to say that this team still got themselves in a position where this is the best that they can do, because it's not, but it this is what they're capable of doing. I they have good enough hitters, in my opinion, to score five, six, seven runs a night consistently. It just hasn't happened. And maybe it'll happen. And everybody wants to look at the Marlins and how good that they're they're all uh, excuse me, how good their starting pitching is, Nick. The reason the Marlins have gone on this hot streak in this stretch is because of their offense. If you look at the scores, you look at the games, their offense has been really, really good. This this last stretch of baseball and you know, that's what I feel like the Reds have to do to, to be able to probably push through and, and find themselves a spot in the playoffs. And tonight they did it. Tonight they did it. And uh, it's just nice to see. And it was good to see Will Benson, obviously, um, continue to be what we all hope he can be. And he's shown at times this year, I don't want to say a ceiling, because that would maybe be a little bit of a, a of a detriment to Will. I think maybe he could be better than we've seen before. He certainly can. But We've seen what he's capable of doing, and there for a short amount of time, it kind of went away, and maybe tonight kind of gets him back on track. I don't know your overall thoughts on just the Reds' offense and Will in general. I would start with, I think the performance tonight by the Reds' offense was outstanding. Yes, it was. Uh, I mean, you, when you score four earned runs against Joe Ryan, I know probably a lot of people don't know who Joe Ryan is if you just follow the Reds. He's in the American League. This is a really, really good pitch that has a really good track record. He came into the start absolutely rolling. He had a 2.75 ERA over his last four starts. He only walked five batters, struck out 24. So this is a pitcher that came in pitching well. Um, and a couple of those starts, uh, Tampa Bay, Texas, Texas, and then Cleveland. So three of the four teams that he played are very, very good teams. So, uh, you know, for the Reds' offense, I thought tonight was was an outstanding effort um, against a pitcher that 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 – uh, is a really good pitcher, um, and, and that was huge. And then Will Benson, I mean, what a night. I mean, those 
the 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 first one robbed and then just you know next at bat you jump right back out and and, and hit another one uh he's been awesome um i just you can't say enough good things about will benson and will benson embodies this red team as much as anyone guy that that started this year as bad as you possibly could he went down to triple a he worked on his craft he came back up and he's been uh one of the reds best players since and uh just what an awesome year for will benson yeah, and I mean, he's a guy that, and listen, rightfully so. I'm not here to, to downplay uh, how bad of a start it was. It was a, it was a really bad start for Will Benson. And I think you know what I can point to, and what I want to remind people of right now is the same thing that Will ben, that happened to Will Benson at the beginning of this year has happened to Ellie De La Cruz right now. Uh, sometimes in baseball, you can just get yourself in a position where you oversell, you 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 press. You try really hard, and it just doesn't work in your favor. And the fact of the matter is, is Will Benson is in a spot that uh, that he got out of that funk, and he started playing good baseball, and he got confident. And uh, not to turn this into an Ellie segment, because that's not my goal here, but I think that that is a little bit of what Ellie's doing right now. And unfortunately, right now, Ellie, we need Ellie to play better. There's no doubt about it. But um, it is nice to see, again, to get back on track here, it is nice to see the offense put themselves in a position to have big innings. It, 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 it just, it was such a devastating double play that Tyler Stevenson hit, hit into. I can't explain to you how big of a hit that is for Joey Votto. If you didn't watch this game, I said Joey Votto should have gotten pinch hit for his previous at-bat against a left-hander, and uh, Votto obviously got out, and Votto's splits are what they are, okay? And Votto's in a position where I thought he could have got taken out of the game. He did it. He then comes up again, Nick, against another left-handed pitcher. And when I tell you that Tyler Stevenson grounded that double play, and I see Ty, and I see Joey Votto walk up to the plate, I, I just can't believe it. I, I really, I could not, I could not believe that 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 he was going to get another opportunity against a left-hander. And sure enough, this is what I tweeted. I said that you know, under any logical sense at all, it makes no sense. There's no rational mind that would tell you that Joey Votto in that situation was the best option you had. Maybe if you want to convince me that he plays defense at first base at a, at a, at a level that you feel good about, that that's the reason you want to keep him in, okay, I'll buy the argument a little bit. But my main point was is that we all know over the course of time there, that's not the best option. But you know what? To David Bell's credit, he got, he got rewarded by the baseball gods because I do think, Nick, here's the thing. There is something to be said. This is a tough spot David Bell finds him in. David Bell finds him in because there is something to be said about having a Hall of Fame guy that has a lot of experience going to the plate in a big time moment over a guy that's only been in the big leagues for a couple months. There is there is something intangible there. I'm not going to sit here and say that that's not true. That is why sports in and of itself and watching sports is 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 why we is I, at least why I love it is because you can't predict what's going to happen. You can't sit there and assume that this is the way it's supposed to go. And Joey Votto, for all intents and purposes, I'll say it, he got the biggest hit of that game. Now, yes, I understand there was a ton of other big hits. I'm not here to downplay what Will Benson did. I'm not here to downplay Jonathan India's at bats. I'm not here to downplay uh, Friedel getting on, moving uh, India from first to third, Marte's big hit. I'm not downplaying any of those. 
But that was, to me, the biggest hit of the night because of the momentum that it allowed the Reds to continue to have. And Tyler Stevenson, I'm not going to crush him, but you're in a spot there where you where you got the bases loaded and the all, really the last thing that you could do there, Nick, was just hit a ball on the ground. You, you got to find a way to lift a baseball in that spot, and I know hitting's a lot easier said than done, but I, I'm just telling you, I can't find, and I, I'm curious of your opinion here, I can't find a bigger hit in this game than the one that Joey Votto got right after the double play ball by Tyler Stevenson. And I know the game ended 7-3, Nick. I get it. I get all that. But it just felt monumental. Uh, yeah, no, it was a huge hit because Ian Jabot was warming up. Uh, so pretty much you you clearly saved Ian Jabot and probably Alexis Diaz. I can't imagine if it's a two-run game that or it was it been a five-run game, but... Nonetheless, I can't imagine Alexis Diaz uh, wouldn't pitch in the ninth. So yeah, it was a huge hit. Uh, I mean, there's still there's a lot of managerial decisions today that I didn't like. Uh, I'm happy they won. I'm happy that really Connor Phillips was the main story. Um, I, I don't like going away with a lot of what what got us to this point, but uh, I'm happy Joey came through. And that was a huge moment for him and and all the the props in the world to him for. Um, you know, having a second at bat, seeing Keiko the first time, and then being able to put a really good swing on there. CES is tough, man. I, I just I don't know how, how he's not in this lineup. And he scores seven runs. It's hard to complain about a guy not being in the lineup. But the the one the one thing that might kind of get David Bell off the hook here in, in a tough situation is Jake Fraley. Jake Fraley zero for three tonight. No hard hit balls. Four for his last twenty three. So he had two really good games coming back, and then since then. That third game through now, he's four for 23 cents. I, I just wonder how, like, Jake Fraley is the Reds' best hitter of all the, the players they have right now against right-handed pitching, if he's 100%. But I thought he was at 70%. I'm starting to wonder if it's 40 30%. And maybe that kind of gets David Bell off the hook, and you can play CES and Votto and keep a competent defense out there because that's really kind of the situation that we're in. Yeah, and I mean, Sears has been excellent too. I, I Listen, I think, and again, when you get down to 10 games left in a season, Nick, it's hard to... I I don't know how you sprinkle around lineups right now because I was even going to say you could give Steer a day off a little bit because he's kind of been a guy that's... He, say it or not, I, mean, I know, but he's 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 not been... He, he got a double tonight, so it's like, I don't know. I... I yeah, three hits. I know. I was like, I don't know. What do you do? I, but here's the thing. Jake Fraley's a guy that could get three hits tomorrow too, though. Like, he, when Jake Fraley came back, he carried this team a little bit offensively for a minute. So I, I, I know I'm preaching to the choir a little bit here. I'm just saying, I'm just saying there, there's, there's, uh, there's a guy in this lineup right now that me and you both love that, that he's got to play better, Nick. You know what I'm talking about, brother. He's got to play better. He's got to play better. And if he can't play better, then something has to give. And I, I, the only reason that I'm giving him a pass time and time and time again is because of the position he plays. And if Matt McClain was on this team right now, I'm not sure Ellie De La Cruz is playing that many baseball games. But, but he's not. Matt McClain's not on this team right now. And I just think he plays such a premium position that it's really hard to ask someone else to play it like Marte. When Marte, like it or not, he's booting balls too. He got very fortunate tonight, tonight not to have an air. Marte did because the ball bounced luckily right to his hand and uh, he was able to recover and make a throw to first. But I don't feel extremely 
great about this rookie left side of the infield right this second. I think they can make great plays. And let me be very clear, Nick, I'm not panicking on the long-term future of what these guys can be. It's just that if you're going to Mike, if you're going to shrink the shrink wrap this into a microcosm of 10 games and you want your best lineup out there, Ellie has to play better. That's just where I'm at with it. There's no conversation though right now against right-handed pitching unless Matt McClain comes back because it would be reckless with the some of the starting pitchers that you're putting out there to have an infield defense of CES at third base, Noevi Marte at shortstop, Jonathan Indy at second base, and Joey Votto at first base. That's reckless. That's not good for your pitchers. It's not going to create more runs. It might feel good. You might like. You might see that lineup and go, ooh, that looks really good. But then when there's six booted balls and you give up runs that way, it doesn't feel as good. So there's, there's no conversation unless Matt McClain comes back. I understand that, but I'm going to tell you that the the the, the, the average uh, the, the, there's there's going to be fans, and I can't say that they're completely wrong. That are going to say, "Well, Ellie's booting balls already," and I get I get what you're saying. I get I get it. I understand that he can get to balls. I understand all that, but he's got to start making these routine plays. Like, and, and you know what? I'm not saying he can't. It just if you're not going to hit at the plate, you got to be perfect in the field. You can't be bad at the plate and and booting balls out in the field. Now, Connor Phillips didn't allow that to snowball, thankfully. But I'm just saying. I'm and, and listen. This isn't a knock on Ellie by any stretch of the imagination, people. That kid can be a superstar. He's 21 years old. Get over yourself if you think that he's a bust. Like, Give him some time. Give it some time. Let's not sit here and dog on one of our young, up-and-coming, possible future superstars on this team just because he's having a little bit of a rough patch of it when he's 21 years old just got called to the big leagues. Yes, did things get a little overhyped at the beginning? How could it not? How is it not supposed to? The guy came up. He was supposed to be the best prospect that the Reds have had since X, since you can possibly ever remember. And what did he do? You can say whatever you want, and I'll say it again. Without Ellie in the two-week stretch of what he did for this baseball team, there wouldn't be a conversation right here on September 18th. So we can't forget about the past either. It's just as He's been playing bad lately, but we can't forget about what he did when he first came up here. Goes it goes both ways. All right, Renfro, you want to pour one out for him? What do we want to do? We want to have a moment of silence. You want to do that? We do that. All right, you ready? Let's have a moment of silence for Hunter Renfro. Thank you for beating out that double play to beat the Cubs. All right, that's enough for uh, for Hunter. Um, yeah, I mean he he legged out the double play. He legged out the double play. Without that, I I mean who knows what would happen? Who knows? But that's it. That's all I got for Hunter Renfro. What else do you have to add? I just I, I thought it was the the right move. Uh, I thought you you gave him enough time, and uh, I think you've, I think you saw enough. There's not enough time to try to 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 salvage that. Um, and, and then when you don't have a left-handed pitcher for the next seven games, I just you had to make the move. And uh, I'm going to ride that Stuart Fairchild train. I think he's a valuable player. Uh, I think especially when he's like that last guy on the bench, I think he's perfect for that role. He's uh, one thing about Stuart Fairchild is not only is he a fast runner, but outside of TJ Friedel, I was looking at the, there's a stat fan graphs base running stat, which it includes everything that goes into base running still, still in bases, obviously you get negative value for caught stealing and getting picked off and going first to third and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stuart Fairchild's ahead of Ellie De La Cruz in that stat. 
so TJ Friedel is the only one that has uh, better. Now, Ellie Dela Cruz is still well above average in that stat. Right. So I'm not saying like like he's been a negative by any means, but Stuart Fairchild has been a a um, really really good base runner. Uh, so that that's just nice to have that on the the, the bench and uh, yeah, I mean I love the move to to try to pick up Hunter Renfro. I think you also have to put yourselves in the shoes of when that move was made. Uh, we had no idea if Joey Votto, Jake Fraley, and Jonathan India were even going to play at that point. Um, right. I think there was some other stuff going around too, right? I, I can't I can't even remember, but there was we were like. I mean, TJ Hopkins was getting starts when Hunter Renfro yeah. was picked up. So credit to the credit to the Reds for for taking on that money, and then credit to the Reds for saying, "Hey, didn't work out. We're going to eat it." I think that this is the kind of good baseball decisions that you want your organization to make, and I think it's the kind of decisions that uh, should give a lot of people some hope going forward into this offseason. Yeah, if anything, it proved that the front office is willing to spend a little money when needed. I'm not saying that uh, that you should, uh, like I said, uh, bow down to the. To the folks that uh, that are the that are the ownership group, but no no harm no foul unless you care about money. I mean that's all it comes down to, uh, just just dollars and cents. And again, certainly uh, certainly don't just want to waste money, but at the same time you just never know what you're going to get. Hunter Renfro could have came in here and been a, you know been been the best player, the uh, best hitter on the Reds for a month and a half, and we would have thought we would have called it the best move that that Nick Crawls made, and he's made some incredible moves, but it just didn't work out and. Uh, the good news is, is there was nothing lost in return, uh, as you've mentioned before. Prospects uh, are 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 not lost for, for, quite honestly, what could happen to anybody at the deadline. It's it's just it's just why I just don't love the deadline. I mean, I, I, I do think you can make your team better at the deadline, but I think it's so overvalued. I really do. I think the trade deadline is just so overhyped, and I and, and I'm not here to say that it can't be important. Okay, there's like a piece or two that can make a difference. Yes, but like. You are who you are a little bit, right? Like, outside of getting maybe a big, big time, like a Verlander-type starting pitcher or maybe a big-time closer that you can use either as your setup guy or and or fix a hole at the closer spot, it's hard for me to believe that uh, that the Reds had an opportunity at the deadline to really fix any significant holes that they were going to have to have. So I, I know I'm going back to the deadline. I don't mean to do that, but that's just kind of where I'm at with that. Um all right, let's talk about what's next. Obviously, the uh, the Twins, uh, we have two games left with those guys. And uh, before we get into the NL wildcard, I do want to discuss the attendance. So before that, we'll do the who, what, when, where, and why, Nick. All right, so tomorrow again, 640. Uh, Kenta Maeda going for the Twins. Uh, some good news. He's got a 5.64 ERA of his last six starts. He's allowed seven home runs in his last 30 innings pitched. Uh, so not the kind of numbers you want coming to Great American Ballpark. Hopefully the uh, the fellas can uh, can get it rolling. Um, Maeda's got a career 4.62 ERA uh, and four starts against the Reds. Last time he pitched at Great American Ballpark, he gave up three home runs. One of those was to Jonathan India. And, uh, yeah, I did not have time while I was live on the show to make a new graphic, uh, so I have been lively, but he's still going to get in the mix. Probably he's going to pitch the most innings tomorrow. Um, and Ben Lively, he's pitched okay. There's two times since he's come back, both in uh, bulk appearances, didn't start either one of those three earned runs in each of those two. But I tell you what, uh, Ben Lively, if you take out, and I know it's it's you can't really do it this way, but I'm going to do it. If you take out that 13 <laughs> earned runs he allowed at Wrigley, his ERA drops below four to three point nine seven. So I, I think Lively has pitched a lot better than like maybe what his numbers 
look like. And I think pretty much anyone who watches him has watched him this year probably agrees with that. Um, but yeah, uh, I love going with Cruz first, though. I, I, I like what they've done with Lively. I think that this has set him up for the best success here. Um, Sam Mole will also be fresh tomorrow. So you can maybe start Cruz. You can find Mole a good spot against some lefties, yeah. then maybe go to Lively and just can really set up. And especially like if you're able to jump on my eight early, right. you know, it, it, and you're maybe not playing from behind. You're kind of look if you're pitching Ben Lively for three or four innings, you're expecting to give up a couple runs. Let's 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 be honest. So you, you try to get off to a better start with Cruz and, and maybe Mole. And uh, I like working backwards for sure. I wish they would have done that with Luke Weaver. I wish they would have done that with uh, a couple other guys they tried this year, but at least they're trying it now with Ben Lively, and I think it's the best best way to go. Yeah, I, I don't mind it. I'll tell you why I don't mind it, because I think if they get ahead in the game, then then uh, David Bell's decision-making is going to be different. He's going to go all in. Like I said before, I think he's going to go all in in certain games and try to win games based off his bullpen and uses uses studs back to back to back to back to back, burn them all give them all a rest the very, very next day, and then come back and hopefully have them the following day. And uh, if you're down early in this game, you're going to probably ask Ben Lively to go out there, and you don't care how many runs he gives up. You're going to have him go out there and eat innings if they're down three or four runs early in the game. And I know people think I'm crazy for saying you should punt on games when you're down three or four runs. But the Reds really aren't in a position where they can try to leverage a lot of these arms that they have that that you would deem as good in the bullpen when your win probability is low. I mean, you just can't do it. Yeah, you you might want to hope you can come back from a three or four run deficit, but the but it would just be really dumb in my opinion. It would be such a waste to try to go and and burn guys that that ultimately you might not end up coming back regardless. So I'm all in. I'm I'm all for in these spots, Nick. And they're going to have to do this more than once a week. They're going to probably have to do this maybe twice a week at least, um, where they can use. They can use openers, whatever term you want to use, and then after the openers are done and you and you get to the livelies of the world, you can make the decision at that point how many innings you think that they need to give you. Lively might only need to give you two innings tomorrow if you got a four four to one lead, right? And then from there you start to go down. You hammer the you hammer the laws, the Jabos, the Sims. Uh, you obviously already threw Cruz and Mole, and then you got in this position where you have Diaz as well. So. We'll see how it ultimately winds up, but I think this team right now is going to, they're going to rely like they have all year on the bullpen. It's just a matter of when do we want to use those guys. All right, last thought here. Um, I, I don't want what I said to get misconstrued and what I meant by the whole attendance thing, Nick. I don't know if you've seen what I said or not, but you know, I just asked the basic question, which was, um, am I allowed to be upset when you have a team that is a half game out of a playoff spot? They were projected to win 64 and a half games. You, 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 you beg and plead all the time that this is a baseball town and that you got to have a winning product in order to want to go support, blah, blah, blah. And you have it, and all I get are excuses from every other which angle there possibly is. And I am not a gatekeeper. I don't care what you do. Ultimately, at the end of the day, it's your money. If you can't get down to the ballpark, you don't want to go to the ballpark, by all means, that's fine. I just don't want to hear about how this is a baseball town, quite honestly, or a sports town or whatever town you want to see. You, when, you, when you want to brag about how good something is, I, I genuinely just don't want to hear it when you have what looks like 5,000 fans in the stadium with with six games left in the entire season at home on, oh, by the way, the last six games of of maybe the best player that you've ever seen in your generation is... That's the end of it. It's the end of it. 
You want to convince yourself that Joey Votto is going to come back? Be my guest, okay? You want to put the blinders on? Woo, 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 woo. I think Joey Votto is going to be here forever. He's not. I love Joey Votto as much as the next person. It says this isn't this isn't about the, the about anything other than the fact of this. That was a little embarrassing. That's how I feel. I'm not suggesting that you have to go down there. It's just a little embarrassing. I know it's Monday. You can give me all the excuses you want to give me. Kids are back in school. You can say that the Bengals game was last night. You can give me all of them. And there's some merit to all of it. But guys, we're, we're talking about like 5,000 people. Okay? If you think for your right mind that anywhere that has a relative pulse as a quote-unquote sports town or a quote-unquote baseball town is going to have 5,000 people at it with five games left, with the generational player that has uh, the end of his career looming ahead of him, and on top of that, they are a half game out of a playoff spot. It's a hard sell for me. It's just disappointing. It doesn't mean that I think we have terrible fans. It doesn't think, in fact, I know we don't. I look at the podcast numbers, and hell, there's two or three red shows in the top 100 charts. I'm, I, I'm not naive here. I understand that we have great fans. I understand what the Castellinis have said. I understand all of that. It's just that it's just a little disheartening to see that. And maybe I'll be wrong, but I, I looked at the ticket prices for this weekend against the Pirates, and you'd think that the Reds are 20 games out of you think the Reds are 20 games out of a playoff spot. I mean, you would. You can get tickets for like 10 bucks. Maybe I'm being too pessimistic. And maybe I'm being like a gatekeeper. And maybe you're saying that I'm too high on my horse. And you know what? I try not to be that. Like, I was I was poor. <laughs> I, I was raised on uh, food stamps, if we're being honest. I, I was raised by a single mom. I get that there's not abundance of money. I, I understand all of that. This isn't about me telling you that you should have to be there because if you're not there, you're not a good fan. It's just the overall, the big picture. That's just seems unacceptable, I guess, is all. That's all. And it doesn't mean it's an individual thing. I'm not trying to pick fights with certain people. Like, did you go to the game? Well, then you're a bad, you're a bad fan. Did you go to the game? You're a bad fan. Uh, Jeff says that the, the, the attendance tonight said it was 15,000. Okay. So that makes it make me feel like, yeah, there was about 8,000 people there, maybe less. So we'll see how it goes. I understand, uh, I understand money doesn't grow on trees. I'm not trying to sound like a, you know, gatekeeper guy high on his horse, but I think it's a fair question, Nick, that if this was in St. Louis, um, I don't know, name every other big baseball town there is. Someone in the chat said Milwaukee, and I think that's probably a pretty good, probably a more fair comp of, of you know. But does Milwaukee, yeah, I mean, look, does, does Milwaukee, I guess here's my only pushback to all this, and I'm not trying to sound like an asshole. Does Milwaukee walk, walk around beating their chest? This is a baseball town. Like, that's all I'm saying. Let's not sit here and beat our chest and act like this is a baseball town when we got 5,000 people left with six games left. That's all. That's all. I, call it a challenge, call it whatever you want, but we got a three-game series against the Pirates at home, and I can guarantee you right now it will have huge playoff implications, and it will be the last three games that Joey Votto ever plays in a Reds uniform. It's a weekend series. If it's not sold out, what am I to believe? That's all. What am I to believe? 
Yeah, I would, I would say, look, it was a little disheartening when he saw the first crowd shots and, you know, how, how much this team has fought all year and the fact that they're even in this spot is ridiculous in some ways and um, certainly would have liked to seen some more support. I mean, maybe, I don't know, to give a little bit more perspective, they did outdraw Miami tonight. I know Miami's definitely not a good baseball town, but they did right. outdraw Miami, not by a whole lot, but they did. And uh, in 2012, uh, the Reds' uh, first weekday game of their last homestand it was a Tuesday night. They only drew 18,000. That team won 97 games. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I would definitely like to see more people there. I think the team deserves to have more people there. I know Cincinnati right. does have a lot of challenges because it's a very large market where it makes it hard for people to come on weekdays, um, you know, because a lot of people don't realize a lot of Reds fans are out in West Virginia, all the way down in Tennessee, Indiana. I mean, it's a no, long right. drive to Cincinnati. So that that's the only thing I would I would add. But I I, I agree with you. I, I don't want to. I don't necessarily think I feel like there's venom towards Reds fans or anything like that. But it, it did make me a little sad to see a a, a somewhat empty ballpark um, with just how much this team has has fought all year. But uh, I'll be in Cleveland next week, and uh, I'll be loud as hell. Who knows? Maybe the Reds will be clinching next week in Cleveland. That'd be cool. I, 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 I didn't even think that was a – I thought these games were going to be absolutely meaningless. So I was like, yeah, I could probably get like $2 tickets. So I could still probably get $2 tickets, but yeah, uh, for a very different reason. Well, I do have uh, one more point, but two more things. Real quick, shout out Noelvi Marte. That dude is playing incredible baseball. I cannot believe how good he looks every single night. He's doing something to help this team win. I just felt like he deserved a shout out. Uh, Reds bullpen is in a really, really good spot. I am excited as hell about the spot the Reds bullpen is in. Obviously, nine relievers now with Alex Young. Solnex.com, I tweeted out every single one of them have a above average or better than average uh, ERA among the MLB average. So that's just really cool to see. Three days off now in a row for Alexis Diaz, Lucas Sims, and Ian Jabot. Three days off in a row, and the schedule is favorable for this team. Two games on, off Thursday. Three games on, off Monday. Two games on, off Thursday, three games. So they don't play more than three games in a row the rest of the season. And I think these days that you you were able to get Diaz, Sims, and Jabot rest are just huge uh, for this team. Uh, And uh, really, I mean, there's there there might be a situation where you know these guys do work back to back days, and you know you were down three or four runs, and you're you're going to kind of give the game away. But there's I don't think there has to be a whole lot of those situations. I think you can almost go for it. And maybe even be a little bit more aggressive when you're trailing than normally they would. I think you might get in a situation where, hey, we'll go Jabo, Sims, and Diaz, even though we're down two runs in the seventh inning, because we can. Because we have these off days. I just think that's really huge uh, for this team right now. Uh, and I, I just, oh, man, when when they got that, that's what, that you were dead on. That hit by Votto, those two extra runs was just huge. Huge to give Jabo and Diaz that extra rest. Yeah. No, I mean, listen. Tomorrow they got everybody at their disposal that that you'd want, and uh, we'll see what we'll see we'll see what ends up happening. I mean, we start counting them down. All right, as mentioned during the show, Reds and Twins six forty on Tuesday night. Kenta Maeda for the Twins going up against starting pitcher Fernando Cruz. He will be used as an opener. Ben Lively, of course, expected to pitch in more of a bulk role as he's pitched before. Uh, let's tell you what's going on in the NL wildcard races. All the teams are back in action on Tuesday. First off, it will be the 
Marlins hosting the Mets. It'll be the lefty Joey Lucchese for the Mets. He's got a 2.83 ERA going up against the Marlins' own lefty, Braxton Garrett. He's got a 3.67 ERA. Then at 740, the Cubs will host the Pirates. Pirates have not announced a starting pitcher for the Cubs. It will be Javier Assad. Assad has a 3.10 ERA this season for the Cubs. And then at 940, it will be the Giants at the Diamondbacks. Giants have not announced a starter, but for the Diamondbacks, it will be Zach Gallen, who has a 3.50 ERA and 199 strikeouts on the season. Reds minor league action. Louisville Bats will be back in action on Tuesday night. They will start their final series of the year. They play six-game series. They'll start Tuesday at 635 against the Iowa Cubs. And then I did make a mistake, I have to admit. I thought that the Chattanooga Lookouts playoffs started on Thursday, but that is actually when their first home playoff game is. The Chattanooga Lookouts actually start postseason play on Tuesday night as they will play game one of the Southern League Division Series at 7 p.m. at the Tennessee Smokies. That's actually just outside of uh, Gatlinburg in Sevierville, Tennessee, Uh, That is the Cubs' uh, double-A affiliate. So we're looking forward to the Chattanooga Lookouts in action, 7 p.m. on Tuesday. The rest of that series, Game 2, will be in Chattanooga Thursday at 7.15. And then, if necessary, Game 3, also in Chattanooga at 7.15 on Friday for the Lookouts. Before I get you out of here, a couple things I want to tell you about. First off, Chatterbox Clicker. It will be tonight. That's Tuesday night at 9 p.m. on YouTube. Former Bengals coach Kyle Kasky breaks down film from the Ravens. That's, of course, at 9 p.m. Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. If you are a Bengals fan, you do not want to miss that. And then, of course, off the bench, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon. The guys have a lot to discuss with the Reds in the playoff race, the NFL season heating up, so you will not want to miss that. Always some fun, high-spirited debates. Trace Fowler's been hosting that show with Tom Burnham out, but hoping to have him back soon. Uh, and I cannot thank all of you enough. So many people uh, have answered my call to leave us a five-star review. Uh, we're ever listening to this podcast. Thank you so much to everyone who's done that. Thank you to everyone who has listened to our show all year. This show has greatly exceeded any reasonable expectations this season. And I'm sure a lot of that is the Reds play. But a lot of that is also you sharing our show with your friends, liking our show, sharing our show, all that kind of stuff. Can't tell you how much we appreciate it. If you have any other friends that are Reds fans, make sure you tell them about our show. And if you haven't left us a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast, just take a couple seconds to do that. Can't tell you how much that means to us. Well, we will see you around 9 p.m. in the ninth inning on Chatterbox Sports on YouTube, talking about Reds Twins. Of course, if you missed that, podcast in the morning, like every single morning the rest of the year in your podcast feed. Well, I hope that you have a fantastic Tuesday. And as always, go Reds.